welcome back to the No Walls podcast. This is a podcast about all things human rights and refugee law, including the people working within it and the clients we represent. Welcome to part two of our mini-series, which is interviewing different human rights defenders around the world. Today's episode is going to be speaking to a fascinating Colombian human rights lawyer who Tafik will be interviewing. Um, he provides an introduction a bit about who he is and his work in the interview coming right up. We hope you enjoy. So today I am speaking to Adil Melendez Marquez, a prominent human rights lawyer in Colombia and a human rights activist. Um, We're very excited about this. With him, who will very kindly translate what Adil has to say, is also an incredible guest. Her name is Karma Clavel. She's with the Colombian Caravana and the coordinator of it. Karma, thank you, first of all, for setting this up and for agreeing to translate. I actually think you've got loads of interesting things to say too, but today's focus will be on Adil. But yeah, thank you. Uh, how, how are you doing, Karma? Fine, and thank you for, for the invitation. And it's a pleasure to do the translation for Adil and for the podcast. And I will do my best <laughs> for, for that. Thank you. Right, well, Adil, if I can introduce him, is as I said earlier, a prominent human rights activist. He's from Colombia. He deals with a lot of issues in Colombia, specifically more recently in relation to upholding people's rights, including women's rights, and um, dealing with what seems to be a, a major issue in recent times, which is the massive forced displacement of peoples in Colombia. Adil, as I say, it's an incredible honor to have you on our podcast. How are you doing today? Bueno, gracias por la invitación. De verdad que me siento bastante bien, un poco relajado. Thank you for the invitation. I am relaxed here in Europe because I am part of the stop in London. It's a part of a tour in Europe and denouncing the situation of human rights in Colombia against environmental uh, environment. And also, I'm happy that the media is open to uh, listen us. And I found also wonderful friends' hands. And also, uh, I had wonderful meetings with institutions and civil organizations. And how are you finding London? Bueno, menos frío que la vez pasada. I found London less cold than I expected, <laughs> but London is a wonderful uh, city and I love it to be here. And, and the wonderful thing is the cold was less than I expected. It has actually been not too bad. I just checked out the weather in Cartagena right now. It's uh, 30 degrees Celsius, so you probably should be feeling the cold. Well, listen, Adil, you've you've had an extraordinary career. Could you tell our listeners how you came to be a lawyer in Colombia and why you chose the law? Son sueños. Cuando tenía ocho años, había decidido que iba a ser abogado. No sabía que era... It's a dream. To be a lawyer, I had this dream when I was eight years old. I decided to be to be a lawyer and to defend human rights. I don't know; it was a dream or, or craziness, a locura. And and also in 1987, I began a lawyer and a human rights lawyer. And also when I was 13 years old, I was kidnapped. And now I am a lawyer. And at that early age, when you're studying the law, obviously you could 
go into different areas, right? You can maybe be a contract lawyer or a, or a wills and probate. You know, the, the, there are different areas of law that people go into. What made you eventually go down the route of human rights and social justice? Porque es el campo en el que mejor me siento representado. Es el área donde siento... I decide to be a lawyer of human rights and social justice because I believe it's my strength. And also, I want to ask justice for people without hope, victims of armed conflict, victims of guerrilla, victims of paramilitaries and transnational. And I know is an area of risk to be this kind of lawyer, but I want to be doing that. Why do you think it's important to stand up for people's rights? You know, people who are either marginalized or unable to, 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 to stand up to power where they need advocates on their behalf. Why, why do you think that's important, especially why in Colombia? Porque es una misión que tenemos como ciudadanos. Si en el mundo no existen abogados... I think it's a, a mission as a citizen and as a lawyer to search for justice. I am a lawyer that I want to uh, search for justice and also I want the, the sun to work against impunity. It's difficult to translate <laughs> this sentence, beautiful sentence in Spanish to, to English. And, and also working with people mar marginalized. I, I like to, to guarantee the justice to these uh, communities. And also I am very satisfied as a lawyer to contribute to this, to the justice and to the women's rights. And some lawyers, uh, because our work is uh, a risk, some lawyers are coming to me asking, please uh, support me with these cases, with this case that it's, it's more dangerous. And on those cases, tell me, tell me what it's like a day in life right now of Adil Marquez. What, what are you working on right now? As you, what, what, are, what are the projects that you're involved in? Bueno, en este momento estamos defendiendo. Now I am working in a Canal del Dique project. I am defending communities that will be displaced by a privatization of a big river in Colombia. This river is in 19 municipalities. It's more, it's bigger than Canal de Panama. And I am working to defend these communities because the privatization of the river will affect the daily life of them. And also it's a project that uh, it has different kind of investment like a tourist, water, zona franca and ports. And for that, I'm working on that. And tell me about your biggest achievements. Maybe uh, you seem very modest, but I want you to tell me about what you think are your, let's say, two or three biggest achievements that you've been proud of as a, as a human rights defender. El primer logro como abogado es este evitar. Uh, another is in our region, in these 19 municipalities, we have in the river 10,000 dead bodies that are uh, caused by the armed conflict in the river. And now I was, uh, I was uh, assigned as a lawyer from the jurisdiction special of peace. This is a, jury, a special jurisdiction after the peace agreement. And I was designed lawyer for this special jurisdiction. 
and I am supporting the communities to do that, to claim for this preservation of the situation. Uh, and also the third chief is now, with our work with the communities, we return the voice and the hope to the victims of the conflict, the conflict with institutions, with paramilitaries, and also they have their own voice, voice and light. And, and also we have for that two cases in the special jurisdiction of peace that it's against multinational that are doing the privatization of water. And it is another uh, achievement. And tell me about your work in relation to land restoration, because I saw that since the so-called peace treaty, the one one major issue has been forced displacement and land restitution. You, you, you've been doing some work on that, right? Tell me about that. This is a very difficult uh, topic. El sistema político en Colombia y el modelo económico, modelo político y modelo económico. This is the, the economical model and the political model or system is the origin of our armed conflict in Colombia because it's a connection between politics, business and armed forces. And also the map where the conflict is allocated, it's a match with uh, where the transnational are working. They have a match between high level of armed conflict and also where we are allocated uh, mega project or transnational investment, multinational investment. Entonces, allí en esa region... And also in these regions, for example, where we have monoculture, for example, uh, African palm, gas, oleoductos, uh, petroleum. It's where the conflict armed. It's 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 in in war situation and also are displacing communities, and are are taking the land and the water of these communities. That situation that armed conflict, multinational projects, and sometimes politics. It's provoked that this justice at this moment ninety four percent of impunity. In are related to justice in Colombia. At this moment, we have 100 illegal armed groups that are operating in 300 municipalities in Colombia. Related to restitution of land, and if some of the areas of restitution is connected to a strategic development, we lost this kind of claims. We, we are not having... Uh, success on that because normally if 10 cases normally we lost nine and only one one and because the claim of land in that situation it's very difficult because sometimes some people working with governments it's supporting by multinationals it's very difficult to win the the claims in this situation when you are doing claims of of land the it's a no balance and it's inequity uh, between parts because the lawyers of the business there are a lot of support there are teams and in our case we are in a disadvantage because we we are normally small and we don't have enough resources economical resources to confront or to battle or to fight with the lawyers of the uh, multinationals. However, we want to have a hope that with this, this new government, we can improve the I, access I to justice for... I uh, very powerful discussion you were um, involved in about 
women's rights in Colombia. Um, Karma, maybe you can speak about that too, but tell me about your focus on women's rights in terms of what, what's happening there. Las mujeres son las que más sufren en el conflicto. The women are they are suffering more because in the conflict because they they are kidnapped sometimes. They also uh, suffer sexual violence and also the assassination it's again men and women, no, but because they are sometimes in the first line of the of the conflict defending communities, there are particular violence against them. And also this kind of violence is from illegal armed groups, but also sometimes by official institutions, no, like a army or police, etc. And I can do my testimony on that because I was doing this kind of claims inside the jurisdiction, uh, the special jurisdiction for peace. For that, I have testimonies on that. If you want, I can add something uh, on the on this question. Is uh, also uh, totally agree with uh, Adil about the this the specific violence against women because also sometimes the women are threatened to kidnap their children, and is something that it's very very important. However. Yesterday, in the conversation with indigenous women and women's defenders in the public event between Colombian Caravana and ABC, AB Colombia, sorry, it was very important that the women highlighted that together in a network, it's a way to protect us. It's a way to take care of us as a women's human rights defenders. Because as, as Adil explained it, when some transnational projects or mega projects arrive to the communities, the goal is to destroy the communities, not to break communities. For that, if as a leaders of communities, as a women's human rights defender, we are work together in a network promoting liaisons, promoting also relations, I think it's a wonderful way to protect as a, as a defenders. Tell me a little bit about this special jurisdiction for peace, because in the UK, if we want to try and help a client, uh, we want to try and defend one's human rights. There are, you know, within the jurisdiction, there's the courts and the tribunals in the UK. But tell me a bit about the special jurisdiction for peace and how you would go about protecting people's rights. Colombia firmó un acuerdo con la guerrilla de la FARC, el, el gobierno de Juan Manuel Santos firmó un acuerdo. Con... After the peace agreement was signed in 2016, uh, they were implemented different kind of instruments for that. One of them is the True Commission that had the commitment to to present a report that it was presented in June of this year, and they presented uh, evidence of the conflict. However, it's a civil organization, institution for that, they cannot do claims. The other instrument is the specific unit to search for people disappear. In this moment in Colombia, we have more than 100,000 people uh, disappear. And, uh, and also it's a unit that it's also trying to find the body deaths, the dead bodies, sorry, and also to find and preserve the dead bodies uh, for families, etc. But again, 
it's a civil institution. The juri special jurisdiction of peace, it's a tribunal. However, it's not doing sanctions. It's a restorative justice because the idea is uh, to promote the no repetition of the conflict and the crimes. And it's against, it's a justice uh, for the guerrilla members of FARC and other members, the terceros and other members that uh, they want to talk about the, to talk the truth of the conflict. And I want to be, I want to be part of this system. This is important because it's not punitive justice, it's restorative justice. The sanctions could be like eight years. However, the perpetrators need to work with victims doing a collective reparation and the commitment that they know they will not repeat the crimes. And also it's a participatory system where are together the victims and the perpetrators. And they are a, a special uh, prosecu prosecutor to do that. And the goal is to protect also the victims. Are collective uh, systems, no? They are a big macro cases. Now, this system has 13 macro cases. Again, are collective cases. It's not individual. And for example, one, one of them is related to missing people and another is related to sexual and gender violence, and another is related to a positive false. It's uh, extra judiciary executions, normally by institution, by armed institutions, officially, no, no illegal. There are 13 at this moment in, in the process. Y la jurisdicción tiene tres salas con las que toma sus decisiones, la sala de reconocimiento. And there are three rooms or three big areas inside the special jurisdiction of peace. One is the true room and also the behavior related to define the, the behaviors in that, in that area. The second room is related to amnistia, to amnesty, to the perpetrators. And the third is the room where it's in charge of, to define if as I can be part of this system. No, as a, uh, as uh, Adil explained, if I am not guerrilla, but I want to be part of this uh, process, I can be in that area and they define if I can be under this system. It's more if I am not ex-guerrilla, but I want to be a part of this specific system. Uh, this where my case is analyzed and determined if I can be part of or not. Además, está la sección de ausencia de reconocimiento. And also, Adilex uh, describe a little bit another areas of the special jurisdiction. But the most important is the special jurisdiction is a is the institution to apply justice to the people that are participated in the armed conflict. Not all of them. Okay. However, for example, for ex-members uh, uh, of guerrilla or FAR, it's mandatory to this system. They, they need to be in that system. But there are the possibility of terceros, the third people, to be there, and, but this is voluntary. For example, I was a, a soldier or I was a, a general of, of the Colombian army I can be there, but it's voluntary. And my commandment is to tell the truth and to per victims and 
not do again the violence. Unfortunately, it was not uh, unsuccessfully the jurisdiction special of peace because the former government decided to destroy the peace agreement. For that, they didn't invest enough money. They uh, also stole some of uh, the money. They fraud some of the money. And for that, still a challenge because some people returned to the arms again. And for that, still a situation. And now it's a, a comment of me, sorry. It's in Colombia, still the conflict. The conflict, uh, we don't have peace in Colombia. We're still in a conflict. And for that, it's a challenge. Adil, my last question, I promise. I've read reports about how you've been threatened by paramilitary, you need bodyguards, you've survived three attempted assassination attempts, you're followed in the streets, your phone is tapped, and yet you continue to work for people who have no access to justice. How how do you do it? And, and don't you want a, a quieter life one day? Porque hace parte de lo que somos, de nuestra esencia, de nuestra... It's part of my essence, it's part of my nature, it's part of my vision to be this kind of lawyer. I, uh, I have a commitment to, to give voice to people that it's with powerless and, uh, and for that it's, it's my vision, it's my decision also. Well, I think that's hugely inspiring. Uh, I think a lot of listeners will hear what you've had to say um, and have nothing but admiration for you for me it's you know it's deeply moving to know that there are people like you you know on this earth risking your own life to help others but thank you so much both of you really adil and karma for for giving us the time i know you're busy you're you're a busy man in 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 the uk and indeed in europe for the next few few days so thank you so much Gracias, Hossein. De verdad que me alegra mucho saludarles. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the space. And also, I would like to know how is the reaction of the listeners in when you the podcast. And also now we are doing a, a documentary that uh, it's about the impact of the multinationals in the communities that call banished, desterrados in Spanish is banished people. And... Uh, when we have, I will, we will share with, with you also. I look forward to it. Thank you. Have the best day. Take care. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you.